caves of chaos are rumored to be a bastion of monstrosities on the borderlands between good and evil. Foul beasts are said to crawl out of this winding network of dank caverns to prey on unsuspecting travelers passing through the area. A team of nine brave souls have set out to attack these caves. Their immediate goal? To rescue a group of prisoners who are being held within these hovels. Welcome to RPG Storytime, the series where we bring you tales crafted on the tabletops of role-playing games. Today's adventure is from Dungeons & Dragons, and it is The Keep on the Borderlands, an adventure from the first edition written by Gary Gygax. The players were Michael Lang, Terry Smith, Joel Johnson, Bart Nelson, and Trevor Vale. It was produced and game-mastered by Jeff MacArthur. And now, on with the story. The members of the team hid among the underbrush, studying the landscape of the ravine where the Caves of Chaos were nestled. There were at least a half-dozen entrances, and more seemed to be hidden behind copses of trees. Which one would lead to the prisoners? We should split up, Bobak suggested. Several of the members agreed. We're not splitting the party, Groen said. The Castellan gave us additional troops specifically because she knew it was too dangerous for the four of us. We're not going back to that number. Your friend has a point, though, the priest argued. They will be much more dangerous after dark, and we can cover more caves if we split into two or even three groups. Groen scoffed at the idea of splitting up into yet another small group. He pointed at the nearest cave entrance on the right and said, We're going after that one first. The group approached the gathering of trees that shaded the hole in the hill. The dwarves could see into the darkness that the quarter beyond remained rough-hewn, though too straight to be natural. About thirty feet in, it branched off in two directions, left and right. They stopped to discuss what to do. Sid advised caution. We don't know exactly what's in these caves, so we should find out. Timelin agreed. I can get in a ways and take a closer look. Hiram told them that he was learning a spell that made wobbly, dancing lights appear, which could help them see. The problem with that is that it'll alert them to our presence. Gunther said. The dwarves should really go first since they have dark vision, the priest advised. All right, Groen said. But we should consider one thing. Bobek lost patience. He rose and said, Enough of this! Bobek Thielen! And he ran inside. Everyone was too surprised to react, and Bobek got all the way to the T-intersection inside the cave. There, the floor collapsed beneath him, and he disappeared into it. At that exact moment, a horde of small green creatures known as kobolds rained down on them from tree trunks above the others. Everyone drew their weapons. The tiny creatures, all armed with spears, jabbed at them. The priest and Timelin felt a sharp pain, like they were stabbed with needles, and Hiram the halfling was impaled against a tree. While his body twitched, the humans and dwarves pulled back into a defensive stance. The two clerics were in the center, and everyone else guarded them. The acolytes proved their mettle with their flails, each squashing the tiny green men. Gunter killed another. That left five more to contend with. Down in the hole, Bobak achingly got to his feet. He heard a commotion above and called out. The faces that looked in were not his friends, but four kobolds on one side and a giant rat on the other. Bobak screamed at them, and one of them answered by chucking a spear down at him. Outside, the defensive posture was working, and the kobolds hardly hit at all, and the clerics easily healed everyone. Timelin and Groen cut a hole on one side of the line while Gunther scared them off on the other. Back in the hole, the giant rat was climbing down at Bobak. Come on, you stinking varmint! I'll... A spear smacked him in the back. He fell to his knees, nearly dead. The rat approached to finish him off, but then a crossbow bolt splattered into the back of the giant vermin. The kobolds looked up to see Groen there and ready to attack them. But then Timelin fell from the roof and kicked one into the pit while he stabbed another in the back. The one in the pit was smacked in the face with an axe before he hit the ground. 
The other two went at Timelin, but he managed to dodge their blows. Groen fired another bolt, pinning one of them to the wall, while Timelin disarmed the other and held it up against the wall. About that time, their allies entered behind them. The outside kobolds had started to run, but the acolytes had chased them down and exterminated them. Seeing that the kobolds were still alive, the priest said, What are you waiting for? Kill them! Groen glared at him incredulously, annoyed at having been given an order, and by a human no less. He then approached the kobold he had pinned to the wall. We're going to leave one of you alive, he said. The other gets sent down to my friend below. The one we let live is the one who answers this question. We're looking for some humans that were brought in as captives. Where are they being kept? Both of the kobolds raised their hands, saying, Oh, 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 pick me, pick me, I know, I know. Whichever one tells me first gets to live, Groen said. They're in the goblin caves, one of them blurted. Groen blew cigar smoke into the kobold's face. Where are those? The other kobold answered, They're on the other side. We can show you how to get in. Yes, the other said. You take us. We both show you where and how to get in. But there are many, the other said. Building up to fight the orcs. Orcs? Timelin asked. Orcs and goblins in these caves. They'd be fighting each other nonstop, one of them said. The other nodded vigorously. We kobolds be trying to stay out of their way. Stay unnoticed. Trap and kill anyone who might tell. Do I look like a goblin or an orc? Bobak asked, climbing out of the hole. You ugly like one, a kobold said, but Groen shook his attention toward himself. We need you to show us where this cave is that the captives are held, he said, and the kobold nodded. I show you from tree! The kobolds took Groen and Timelin into one of the larger trees the kobolds had jumped out of and pointed out the various caves lining the ravine walls. The ones on the side they were on were mostly orcs and gnolls. They were on one side of the conflict. Those on the other side held mostly goblins and hobgoblins. They were on the opposite side of the conflict. The ones at the end of the ravine, between the two sides, held neutral creatures who might fight both sides, depending on who annoyed them the most. One of the kobolds then pointed at an iron door that covered one of the goblin cave entrances. There are your captives! Beyond that door! Timelin pulled out a scope that he had and looked through it at the door. It looked solid and seemed like it might even have a locking mechanism to it. He told Groen and added that there might even be a trap on it. Traps, yes! The goblins love their traps more than us! One of the kobolds said, and the other one giggled. Groen considered. Then he grabbed one of the kobolds by the throat and said, Once we're inside, can you show us how to get to the prisoners? Yes! It said through choking gasps. We will show you to the prisoners! You can save them before they are eaten! The humans and dwarves looked at each other suddenly at the word. Time was now of the essence, if it was not already too late. Gunter, take the prisoners, Groen ordered and Gunter did as he asked. The dwarves leaned into one another. Timelin started, I might be able to get us past that door, but there will be guards beyond, and who knows what other traps while they attack. I can hold off the guards while you take care of the traps, Bobak said. I'm sure you can fend off many enemies, said Brother Said, but if they are entire armies fighting one another, well, understand that we are nearly out of holy healing. We shouldn't have to fight them, Groen said. You just said it. Enemies fighting one another. If we can get them into one of these battles, we can slip in behind and rescue our people. Groen looked at Timelin, whom he often turned to for wisdom. Timelin was nodding while he continued to look at the cave holes. He was picturing dozens, if not hundreds, of monsters emptying out of them, then grinding themselves into oblivion through combat with one another. I concur. Might even get that door open. The two kobolds approached the broad mouth of the cave entrance. It was much larger than they were used to, being the proper size for a couple orcs to go in or out of at the same time, 
Oversized bits of armor were hanging off of the kobolds. They assumed it was goblin armor, though it seemed like it would all fit a more lizard-like body. The dwarves had forced them to wear it and to walk into the orc cave entrance. They had given them back their spears, so they figured things were looking up. That lasted until they got about 20 feet into the cave corridor and found themselves set upon by a half-dozen orcs. They turned and ran, though one of them was squashed by the orcs. The survivor dashed out the doorway, screaming and running for its life. The orcs were hot on its tail, but they were then set upon by a group of dwarves and humans who attacked from both sides. Most were killed outright, and the couple who survived tried to turn and run back, but they were cut off by Bobak and Gunther. Suffice to say, no orc returned to tell their tale. The priest held the kobold who had tried to run by the lizardman armor they had placed on him. They had figured that the orcs would not be able to tell the difference between goblin and lizardman armor when it was stripped down into pieces and dented up a bit. Now they needed to complete the ruse. Timelin hurried in and collected the body of the other kobold, but he left the helmet inside. They stabbed a few of the kobold spears, which again looked like goblin make, into the orc bodies, and they left a couple pieces of armor nearby too. Timelin then wiped the dwarf and human footprints away while the others found some large boulders further up behind which to hide and watch. They waited for a few hours, during which time the clerics used the last of their healing magic to help the fighters recover. Brother Sid glanced at the priest doing the work alongside him. His fears had clearly been misplaced. The priest was obviously a stand-up man of the cloth only wanting to help. Sid felt ashamed for ever having suspected him. As afternoon began to wane into evening, Gunther said to Groen, Do we know that the orcs will react? They are beasts, after all. They might just leave the bodies. Groen considered, but then shook his head. They will at least collect the bodies. Otherwise, there would be a lot more bones scattered across the ravine valley. Gunther returned to watching, putting his skills as a watchman to work. At last, just over an hour before sunset, a couple orcs wandered out of the cave entrance. They spotted the other orcs, and one of them ran back inside. The one still outside looked around, trying to find who had done this and the dwarves and humans hid. Timelin slowly peeked back up over the boulder, but remained as hidden as he could. The orc was scanning the edges of the ravine, searching, but finding nothing. Soon more orcs emerged from the cave entrance. They stared at the bodies with shock. The one who had been out there pulled one of the spears from one of the bodies and showed it to the others, speaking agitatedly in orcish. The others shouted and screamed. They checked out the armor, and they all seemed convinced that they knew who it was. To be fair, they came to that conclusion pretty quickly, so it wasn't like any of them really considered other possibilities. This proved what they had already believed the goblins would do, so they gathered more orcs from within and built up a war party. You don't want to be between that and their prey, Bobak observed. The orcs ran down the ravine, then back up the other side, finding one of the smaller cave entrances and ducking into it. The Slayer Squad moved closer, remaining on the rim above to stay hidden. Soon they got close enough to hear screams and shouting coming from the hole the orcs had disappeared into. A moment later, some of the orcs emerged, one of them bearing the head of a goblin, displaying it for all to see as the others laughed and jeered while they ran back to their own cave entrance. From within the goblin caves, they could hear a stirring, and soon a warband of goblins emerged from one of the holes, heading for the orc side of the ravine, shouting, Bree Ark! Then a small band of hobgoblins appeared from another hole and began to cross toward the orc hole, they were distracted by a larger monster with horns that emerged from a cave entrance at the end of the ravine. The dwarves and humans didn't get a good look at it as it was directly below them, and the hobgoblins went in after it. Orcs again emerged from one of their cave openings, and seeing some of the goblins go into the larger cave at the end, they followed. At long last, Gunther was relieved to announce to the others that the iron door had opened. 
A small horde of goblins emerged and made their way across the ravine to the orc side, where they entered through one of the thus far unused holes. Timelin made a dash for the iron door, trying to grab it before it closed again. The others followed him, falling behind because they were wearing less armor. Groen tried to keep them all together, but he didn't dare shout for fear he would attract the monsters. The result was them all spread across in a long line trying to keep their feet as they scrambled along the side of the ravine. Just as Groen had feared, a group of gnolls, human-sized rat people, emerged from one of the cave entrances and punctured through the center of their line. They knocked into Sid, sending him tumbling down the steep rocky grade. This placed them right next to the two priest acolytes, who they began wailing on. Timelin stopped and began to come back, but Groen waved him forward. Get us inside that door, he ordered, so Timelin hurried on. The others converged on the gnolls, attacking them from every direction. They fought back, using the rocky terrain to their favor, and concentrating on the acolytes and the priest. Gunther hurried to their aid, jumping over one of the boulders and bringing his sword down on one of the gnolls. He was just too late for one of the acolytes, who went down. The other became furious and used his flail to tear a couple gnolls apart. Bobak helped, tearing through most of the rest of them. The only remaining one was shot in the back with a bolt fired by Groen. He pulled out the cigar from his teeth and shouted, Let's move! And they did. The group arrived at the iron door. Timelin had just picked the lock and gotten it open. He was peeking inside. A corridor led in a ways, then split off in four directions. Which way do we go? Groen asked, looking around. Where's the kobold? We killed it, the remaining acolyte said. What? Why? Groen shouted. No more need for it, the acolyte said, shrugging. No more... You choose what direction to go in then, Groen shouted. The acolyte looked to his master, the priest. He stepped forward and closed his eyes, praying silently. His eyes shot open again, and he pointed to the left. This way, he said, and they all went to the left. As they passed the intersection, it became obvious to Groen why the priest had chosen that direction. It didn't take a god to hear the moaning and crying coming from the direction in which they were now moving. After snaking around a couple bends, they came upon a room that didn't even need a door. Prisoners were kept in cages, tied to tables, walls, and torture devices. A handful of hobgoblins with whips and implements of torture wandered among them, grumbling and goblin and chuckling manically. Bobak, near the front, began to step forward, but Groen pulled him back. We need a plan of attack, he whispered. Ah, there are just a few of them, sir, Bobak assured him. And we're all wounded by the gnolls. I can't spare a single one of you, Groen whispered. They heard a whip and a scream. Well, what do you want to do? They're hurting them, Bobak demanded. Timelin, get in in there. I'll attract their attention with a shot. When they come at us, you backstab one of them. When they turn to you, Bobak and the others charge in. Ready? Everyone nodded, and Timelin took position. Groen fired, and the rest of the plan went as he expected. The hobgoblins didn't know which way to turn. However, the dwarven hits weren't doing as much as they expected, and the hobgoblins nearly rallied. But the priest cast a light spell that distracted them, and Bobak and Gunther were able to make quick work of them, especially with the lit-up room. The prisoners were grateful, though there were not eight of them. Only five had survived. We're going to get you back to the keep, Groen said. They all smiled with relief. Groen gave a dagger to the one who looked most strong and still able to fight. It wasn't much, but it was better than nothing. The priest gave a flail to one of the other prisoners, one who looked the most susceptible to follow orders. Brother Sid was out of healing spells, but he used his last remaining bandages on the two prisoners who might fight for them. Timelin and Gunther, meanwhile, checked through the room for valuables. They came upon the private items of prisoners, and they found sacks that held gold and silver coins. Timelin began to take them. Gunther stopped them. Some of these might belong to the prisoners, he whispered. 
Who's to say? Timolin said, shrugging, and he tied the small sacks to his belt. Follow us, Groen said to the prisoners, and he began to lead everyone toward the exit. He hoped to get out before the goblins returned. He had just passed the faraway intersection and could see the exit in sight when Timolin stopped, looking off into the darkness of the quarter directly ahead. It was the opposite direction from where they had gone before. You hear that? Timolin asked Gunter, who pulled up next to him. They were all crouching a little, and trying not to take up too much of the narrow hallway. Yeah, Gunther said. It was voices. Some were celebratory in nature, like they were having a good time. Who would be carrying on so much at such a time? The curiosity got to Timolin, and he began to creep forward. Gunther followed. Brother Sid attracted Groen's attention to what was happening, and Groen groaned in annoyance and began to follow. He stalled momentarily to put Brother Sid in charge of the prisoners and ordered him to get them out. He and Bobak then followed the others to get them back out. They turned a couple bends before coming upon the other two stalled at a corner. Both were shocked into stillness, and when Groen looked around to see what they were looking at, he was equally stunned. There in front of them was a banquet hall. A short dining table filled much of the center, and a cooking station was at the end over a fire pit. Alcoves along the sides held beds and cradles. Scattered throughout the room were goblins, but not the types they were used to or expected. These did not carry weapons, nor carry shields, nor wear armor or shout war cries. These were civilians. The mothers, the children, the elderly. They were still goblins, so they were crude and dirty, but they weren't doing anyone any harm. And some of the young ones were downright cute. None of the four witnessing the sight had ever thought about this part of goblin life, those behind the lines. They had thought only of the marauders, the cutthroats, the evil ones who raided their supply wagons. Were they just as evil when they were young? For that matter, were the caretakers truly evil just because they were goblins? The group pulled back around the corner, all of them deep in thought. We can't kill them now, Timolin said. I don't see what's changed, Bobak said, not certain in his words but saying them anyway. They may be young, but they will grow up to be evil. I'm not convinced that's inevitable, Gunter said. Maybe they can be turned from that life. Groen was still thinking. He wished he had Brother Sid with him, and he decided that he should bring him forward to get his thoughts. They were still in a hurry, so time was of the essence. He turned toward the others and found his priest and remaining acolyte already heading toward him. He would do, Groen thought. But then the priest passed right by him without acknowledging Groen's presence. He ominously held out a morning star while he let the metal ends of his flail drag across the floor. They looked like they were on a mission. Father, I need your advice, Groen said, trying to get their attention. Kill them all! was the priest's only response. Groen was in the process of wondering how he even knew anyone was in there when the priest and his acolyte passed the others and charged into the dining hall. Groen heard a series of screams arise from within the room. It was a strange sound. Groen had only ever heard goblin scream as an attack, never in fear. He ran after, and the others came out of hiding as well. They saw the priest and his acolyte wreaking havoc. They kicked over chairs and beat the goblin diners to death. A young goblin ran toward his mother, and the priest impaled them both. The acolyte held back an elderly goblin while he bashed in the head of a baby. Groen and his entourage looked on in horror. Groen tried to call out to the priest, but halfway through his sentence, Brother Sid ran through, saying, He can't be reasoned with! And he charged at the priest. Groen and the others followed after a momentary, shocked delay. 
The priest sensed that Sid was coming and turned toward him, swinging his weapon. But Sid stopped suddenly and cast a spell. A ball of light appeared directly in front of the priest, stalling him. But his acolyte continued to murder civilian goblins. Groen came out of hiding and tried to shout at the acolyte to stop. He didn't, and the panicking goblins attacked everyone with whatever they had. Now Bobak, who had followed orders to not kill the goblins, found himself in a dilemma. Many of his moves involved throwing attacks back at his enemy, but doing so meant killing old people and young ones not ready to fight. There was no sport in this. He pushed one of the mother goblins into another one, knocking them unconscious. As he did this, he saw Gunther try to stop the acolyte, getting between him and a pair of old, frail goblins. The acolyte deftly swiped Gunther's sword out of the way and brought his flail across his face, breaking his neck and killing him. Shocked and appalled, Timelin lunged at the acolyte's back and struck his sword straight through until it poked out his chest. Brother Sid had gotten a blow on the priest while he was blinded by the light, but he had recovered, and the two were locked in battle. Groen was trying to get a shot in, but he couldn't due to their movements, as well as the goblins panicking in between and some of them even taking swipes at him. It didn't look like it was necessary, though, as Brother Sid was getting the better of the priest, smacking him with his warhammer while the priest had trouble penetrating his armor. Then, out of nowhere, the two prisoners who had weapons appeared. The one with the dagger immediately set about stabbing the mothers and children, and the one with the flail attacked Brother Sid in the back, sending him to the ground. The evil grin grew once more across the priest's face. Brother Sid now saw out what he should have seen from the beginning, the chaotic evilness of it all. Overlooking this would cost him his life as the priest raised his weapon for the coup de grace. But then Timelin came in from behind. The priest leaped aside at the last moment, avoiding Timelin's roll of a one. He turned his attack on Timelin, and his roll of a twenty brought his flail directly down on his face. It was the last thing the dwarf would ever see. Bobak threw into a rage, and he charged at the priest, swiping in a few good hits. The priest was surprisingly tough, having the spirit of whatever god he worshipped within him. Groen dealt with the prisoners they had freed, first shooting the one who had hit Brother Sid and taking him down. Sid turned to the other prisoner, and with disappointment in his eyes, said, There has been enough pain and suffering. Go. The man stopped and, suddenly ashamed of his actions, dropped the dagger and turned and walked away. The goblins, confused by the infighting of their enemies, had run and were cowering behind and under any furniture they could find, clawing only at those that came close to them. A mother and her baby had pulled back into a corner that the priest had backed into with Bobak swinging away at him. The priest was clearly outmatched, and Bobak would have him in a moment. He could either surrender to the dwarf, go down fighting, or... The priest turned his back on Bobak and brought his flail down on the two goblins, crushing them both as they screamed in animalistic horror. Bobak joined in the scream with his own war cry, and he split the priest in two. With the fighting complete, all that was left was the helpless crying of the goblins. Chewing on his cigar, Groen looked over the faces of them. The fear and the hatred. It had always been there, but now it would continue for another generation. How long had this cycle been going on, he thought. And now they had helped it continue. Let's move, he ordered. He and Bobak helped Brother Sid to his feet. With his arms around each of them, the three surviving dwarves staggered out of the bloody room. They joined the prisoners and exited the cave. Outside, screams of rage and fear and the clashing of swords emerged from every hole across both sides of the ravine. The forces of chaos were at war with themselves. But, Groen thought, considering what they had done, who were the true warriors of chaos? They arrived at the keep shortly after sunset. The guards cheered them, and the captive's loved ones ran out to hug them with tears in their eyes. They were overjoyed to be home, 
but there was a look in their eyes that showed they'd never be the same. Brother Sid certainly would not be. When he went to the chapel for healing, he replaced his archer gowns for Hirdren, and there he remained, leaving behind his adventuring days forever. Groen and Bobak had intended on staying and helping to fight along the borderlands, but their experience had soured them. If the beasts ever broke through the border, the dwarves would be willing to return and help defend against the attacking warbands. But in the meantime, a new race of pale, thin-looking humans with pointed ears were invading from the east. Requests for help against this invading horde were sent up, and the surviving members of the Slayer Squad answered the call. This has been a presentation of RPG Storytime Dungeons & Dragons, a playthrough of The Keep on the Borderlands by Gary Gygax. Subscribe to the channel to hear more tales of RPG games, or check out our YouTube channel. The link is in the description. You can also read books by the writer and game master of these stories by going to bandwagononline.com. Join us next time as we bring you more tales from RPG tables across the globe. We hope you enjoyed it, and happy gaming everybody!